Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Acts. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome back to Bible Wire. We are in the middle of Acts chapter 20, and beginning at verse 13, which is where we left off, and all the way through the end of the chapter, is one story, and it's too long for one episode, so I've just picked a random place to stop, and that'll end this episode. I'm going to stop at the end of verse 24, and then we'll pick up the rest of Acts 20 on our next episode, but it's one story. It's just too long for one episode. Uh, we're going to take a look at the farewell to the Ephesian elders, uh, which is the main story in Acts chapter 20. So I'll begin reading in Acts chapter 20, verse 13. I'll go all the way to verse 24, and that'll be our random place to stop today. We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Asos, which we, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Asos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem if possible by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is God's Word. Let's talk for a little while about the journey from Troas to Miletus. For whatever reason, Paul sent his companions ahead by boat, perhaps to ensure that there was a boat secured for travel, and took the road on foot between Troas and Asos, which were 20 miles apart. This gave Paul more time along the way. And for some reason, Paul decided not to return to Ephesus. Uh, maybe it was because mariners didn't want a port in Ephesus because of a buildup of silt in the port. Uh, maybe it was because Miletus was 30 miles from Ephesus and the journey would take him beyond where he wanted to go. I mean, the scripture does say that he went to, uh, that he wanted to get to Jerusalem before Pentecost, which was a feast. So he's trying to get to Jerusalem. And if he goes 30 miles out of his way, maybe he doesn't get to Jerusalem on time. So for whatever reason, 
he decides not to go back to Ephesus, but he wants to talk to the Ephesian elders. And so because he wants to speak to the Ephesian elders, he calls them to Miletus and they oblige him. They make the 30-mile journey rather than him journeying down to them. Now, let's talk some about the farewell to the Ephesian elders. I'll set it up with Richard Longenecker's quote. Quote, Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders is the nearest approximation to the Pauline letters in Acts. Its general content recalls how, in his letters, Paul encouraged, warned, and exhorted his converts. Moreover, its theological themes and vocabulary are distinctively Pauline. In his three missionary sermons, chapter 13, verse 16 to 41, chapter 14, verses 15 to 17, chapter 17, verses 22 to 31, and five defenses, chapters 22 to 26, Paul addressed non-Christian audiences, but he was speaking to Christians here. It is significant that, in a situation similar to those he faced in many of his letters, this farewell to the Ephesian elders reads like a miniature letter of his. This becomes all the more significant when we recall that nowhere else in Acts is there any evidence for a close knowledge of Paul's letters, end quote. Now, Paul's first paragraph here recounts his ministry. He reminds the elders that he lived publicly among them and they know how he lived. His life wasn't secret, and that's something that leaders nowadays would do well to remember. If you are living your life in secret, there is surely trouble afoot. But Paul didn't lead his life that way. He lived his life in public. The leaders knew him. They could follow him around. They knew his ways. He wasn't standoffish. Leaders cannot be. Paul also reminds them that he was tested by plots from nefarious people, and he responded to those plots with humility and with tears. Again, a quality we would do well to emulate. In our culture that champions individual rights, a response to trials with humility and tears is both sorely lacking and sorely needed. Uh, one of the big things in the culture today, whether you listen to people on the political left or people on the political right, whether you listen to people in charismatic circles or people in evangelical circles, the whole culture champions the rights of the individual, which are certainly important. But Paul didn't advocate for his own individual rights all the time. He responded to nefarious plots with humility and with tears. And I don't see a lot of that when I look around. Not from me, not from the culture generally. It's always about people saying that they were offended or, or this person took what belonged to me or what have you. And that's, that's just not kingdom culture. That's not the example Paul set, and it's not the example for us to follow. Paul then reminds the elders that he didn't hold back in his preaching. No topic was off limits. He preached to Jews and Gentiles about the gospel and about the consequences of the gospel. He didn't shrink back because of his audience or because of potential troubles. Tom Constable says the following, quote, 
Repentance toward God and faith in, the, in our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 21, is a beautifully balanced way of expressing what is essential for justification. See also chapter 26, verses 20 to 23, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 to 6, verse 2. One must change his or her mind Godward and place trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, end quote. This is an important way to set the table for Paul's farewell address. Surely the elders nodded in agreement as he spoke. It is certainly clear that when Paul preached, he didn't care who his audience was. His message was the same. His message was tailored to his audience, but that's different than preaching a different message. It's one thing to say, I'm going to preach the gospel in this way to these people because of their background, but I'm going to preach the gospel in a different way to those people because of their background. That is different than saying, I'm going to preach this gospel to these people and that gospel to those people. And that's an important distinction. Well, then Paul's focus shifts. He talks about his future. He is going to Jerusalem, and he's been reliably told by the Holy Spirit that, quote, prison and hardships are facing me. That cannot be comforting for the preacher. Paul has dodged most of the consequences of preaching to hostile audiences so far, but this sounds serious. And nevertheless, he marches on, knowing that there is great cost coming to him personally. Paul talks about how his own life is nothing. What matters is the cause of Christ and his good news, and preaching that gospel is more important than the troubles that will surely befall Paul as he preaches that gospel. This is really my closing thought in this shorter-than-usual podcast. I'm thinking about Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I'm also thinking about the end of 2 Corinthians 5, picking it up in verse 13. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Skipping to verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is how Paul lived his life, and we are called to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep, and we are called to do likewise. And that's where I'll hit the pause button on this, uh, this chapter, and we'll pick it up in our 60th episode on Acts when we close out chapter 20. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.